Welcome to Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash. Every week we'll be speaking to startup and scale-up founders to learn about them, their ambitions for the business, goals and objectives. Every conversation is a moment in time, documenting entrepreneurs' current situation with a view to coming back next year to see how they are getting on. Each journey will be different. Each innovation could be game-changing. I hope you enjoy. So Entrepreneurial Reality with Bash, Series 1, Episode 25. I have the co-founder and CEO of Thriver with me, Hamish Grierson. Welcome. Great to, uh, to talk to you, Ben. Looking forward to the conversation. For the benefit of the listeners, could you give us a bit of background as to who you are? How did you become an entrepreneur? Yeah, by all means. Um, so I started Thriver about three years ago um, with my two other business partners, Tom and Elliot. I suppose I've sort of been in and around entrepreneurship and innovation uh, for most of my working life. I started out out of university, having graduated with a degree in international politics, and then having decided that I didn't want to be in international politics, I basically got into broadcast media and sales and uh, kind of mobile app development and the monetization of uh, mobile apps. But I'd sort of fallen into that as a, as a career. In my spare time, in my early 20s, I tried to create a business called EPOP, Electronic Proof of Purchase. Not exactly world's catchiest brand, I, uh, I retrospectively realized. Trying to get rid of paper receipts that get spat out of till machines around the world um, and learn the hard way that um, when you have no network, getting a business off the ground is very difficult. Uh, and ultimately, it didn't go anywhere. Then in my sort of mid-20s, and my brother and my now wife uh, created a, a business called Ski Neon, essentially ran uh, ski holidays in the French Alps uh, for a year, which was fantastic. It was a successful venture, but very, very difficult to scale. Uh, and I was lucky enough uh, during that time to get onto a program called the New Entrepreneurs Foundation, which essentially sort of uh, badges itself as an entrepreneurial MBA and it places you in a host company. I was placed in a business called Travelex, which uh, I was very, very lucky uh, to find myself within uh, for the simple reason that I was working with some of the brightest, most commercially astute people I think you, you probably can work with. The CEO, Peter Jackson, who's been a, a fantastic supporter and actually is a, an investor in Thriver, um, is now the CEO of Paddy Power Betfair. Tommy Jordan, who is my uh, boss for a long time, went on to be the CEO uh, of Wonga. And yeah, as I say, I was just very lucky to, to get exposed to some brilliant people. And whilst I was at TravelX, I met Elliot, um, one of the two guys that I mentioned. It just so happened that at the time, I'd become really, really fascinated by the amount of impact you can have on how you feel, how you look, just generally, I guess, how you think about the world as a consequence of taking some fairly simple decisions about what you eat and how much exercise you do. That curiosity and uh, passion uh, essentially collided with uh, a conversation that Elliot and I were having fairly frequently about blood testing. We were talking about blood testing because he has a genetic condition, uh, familial hypercholesterolemia, that means that every three or four months he was off down to his GP to go and get a blood test done to monitor his cholesterol levels. I'd, you know, fairly frequently, partly in, I guess, in jest, poke him in the ribs and uh, ask him whether he'd ever sort of experimented 
uh, with uh, managing his condition a different way, it transpired that he didn't actually have any of his own data. You know, it would live as it does tend to with his doctors in a file that he didn't have access to. The more the two of us sort of picked at why it was that that was the case, um, the more fascinated we became by this idea that you know, we were living in a, an interesting time where consumer-led innovation and proactive well-being were being adopted en masse in a whole variety of sectors that we were operating uh, within and also adjacent sectors. So, you know, in financial services, the neobanks had started creating challenging products that put people at the center of uh, the products and services that they were building and empowering them with information, not treating them like kind of victims of the service. Within the health realm, there was certainly proof positive that people were uh, starting to uh, arm themselves with information about what was going on um, inside their bodies and uh, using fitness and tracking products to start trying to quantify the world around them, as well as some of their activity and sleep patterns and things like that. And yet, there just seemed to be this m massively blank part of the sort of data equation, which is well, what's actually happening inside your body, given actually what's happening inside your body is pretty dynamic. It isn't impossible to understand. You know, we have uh, and have had tools available to track and to understand what's happening inside ourselves. It's just that it's a little bit more difficult to get at. That was the genesis uh, for the idea of Thriver. Yeah, that's, that's where it all came from. You're here and now, gone through some funding already. Correct me if I'm wrong, it's about 1.5 million you have raised. Yes, we've raised actually about 2.7. There was another round uh, that wasn't announced and that we did in January of last year. To bring it up to date, yeah, we're in the process of uh, rounding out uh, our, I guess you'd call it our Series A, and that will be an additional somewhere between three and a half and four and a half million. We've got committed a three and a half at term sheet level, and we've already done a first close of 1.3 of that. So, uh, yeah, we're in the process of trying to round that out, and we ought to be all wrapped up by the end of February. How did you cope with that process? Have you gone through that before in a previous company? No, uh, first time um, raising money from the equity markets, uh, I did it at Thriver. It has been, you know, when you look at what you think a startup journey could, could be like, generally speaking, the literature is quite consistent. You know, if you build something that people buy and they buy relatively in, in large numbers, you will be able to raise money. And our journey hasn't been like that uh, at all, really, in that, um, and I take a huge amount of responsibility for this, we have found it very difficult to raise money. You know, we, um, I think, just assumed that, you know, when you get to the standard Series A metrics and indeed the seed metrics prior to that, that you'd be able to walk in the door you know, relatively um, straightforwardly and raise money from uh, investors, you know, who need to place their money to work. And though we have gotten there, and I'm very lucky to say that we've got some fantastic investors on our cap table from, you know, Alex Chesterman, founder of Love Film, founder of Zoopla, now the founder of uh, Kazoo, Simon Franks, another Love Film founder, Paul Forster, the founder of Indeed, Tava Henricus, the founder of TransferWise, Ajit Burke, the founder of... Um, Health scribe, you know, we, we, we've just, you know, we've kind of gone down the, uh, I guess, the angel-led route. Um, but that, um, in tandem, 
had us go through a, a whole series of conversations with all of the VCs that um, I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast will, will know and understand. Yeah, it's, it's just been very difficult. And some of that was, I'm sure, because we are first-time founders. Uh, some of that was because we are in a fairly new investment space. You know, consumer-led health is, is just very new. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to tell you. It was just difficult. And clearly, we weren't telling the story in quite the right way. Now, I think, you know, fast forward three years, we're, we're getting much better at understanding how to communicate why this is such an exciting um, uh, business and place to be in. But it's taken uh, a lot of knocks to, uh, to get there. I, myself, am an angel investor. And part of the reason why I pick and approach certain entrepreneurs to contribute on this platform is to do with the understanding of future growth markets, the understanding of new innovations that are coming to market that you can see massive upside in the long term. You mentioned the wearables that are monitoring the output of your exercise, impact on blood pressure potentially, etc. You mentioned blood testing as a way to give some further insight into your current and potential future state. With the blood samples, how do you go about accessing that information to then provide uh, feedback to your customers? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, I think um, just for the sake of two seconds of um, context, that's exactly right. You know, we have seen proactive well-being paid for and adopted en masse across financial, mental well-being and activity, you know, fitness well-being promotion. And we really see the internal elements of that being the last or at least next bounce of the ball. So to answer your question directly, because you can now analyze uh, accurately uh, someone's blood, but having collected a significantly smaller quantity of that person's blood, there is a, I guess, a bit of a revolution unfolding in that uh, with a finger prick lancet and a small tube, a, a little thing called a, a microtainer or a nanotainer, you're able to collect, <clears throat> say, 12 to 15 droplets of someone's blood that they can do at home unassisted and that is then free posted back to a laboratory themselves tier one UCAS accredited uh, the same labs that be running uh, your tests if you went to an NHS doctor probably we very simply have a secure integration with the lab and receive back the raw form of the data and it's from there really that Thriver takes over it's everything from uh, the way in which we present the data back to people through to uh, enabling people to personalize what it is that they're testing um, in order to build up a very relevant picture of their health. Uh, so to put a little bit of color on that, uh, we have uh, developed algorithms that look at the test results uh, as well as what we know to be your health priority. And we can say, okay, well, looking at the latest research, and we obviously, um, enable people to click out and read the research themselves we can see that there is logic to maybe not testing whatever this particular biomarker was that you were testing before because it looks like it's fine but if appropriate you might want to add in something else to that testing mix i guess to give you a couple of examples of that if we've seen that there is an elevated lipids panel a cholesterol panel the research tends to suggest now uh, quite clearly that if you look at inflammation in tandem uh, with cholesterol, actually get a much uh, more accurate read on cardiovascular uh, disease risk in the long term. So we let people add in uh, something called C-reactive protein 
uh, which lets you look at inflammation levels or high sensitivity C-reactive protein. So, you know, it's just about intelligently using the information to try to add more and more value to people over time. You mentioned SaaS, B2B, B2B2C. Is it a subscription model that you're providing or is it a, a pay per test? Sure. So uh, Thrivers business model uh, is uh, fairly straightforward in that the, uh, the, the biggest part of what we do is a direct to consumer uh, subscription product. It's a little unusual in that you currently pay per test that we provide and you can control the timing of when those tests arrive. So you can make it uh, monthly or annually, whatever suits you. But it is a, a tracking product at its heart. We understand that people take the most amount of value from it when they're able to see their own trend lines. So yeah, that's, that's certainly the mainstay of what we do. Now we do also have other elements to the business. So we have launched a supplements range uh, because we want to be able to help solve the problems that we identify. So we think we have launched, if not the highest caliber, then certainly one of the highest caliber supplements ranges um, uh, in the UK because quality we think is essentially the only thing that matters when you're thinking about supplements. And we have other arms to the business. So I alluded to the relationship we have with the Royal Brompton Hospital, and that is a B2B2C play, if you like. It's about empowering specialists to offer their patients or clients testing using our software and our lab relationships. Um, now, through that lens, we also have a network um, we've largely organically acquired of about 500 private practitioners who use Thriver with their clients. It isn't the mainstay of our focus right now, but certainly is something that in the future might become uh, an area that we seek to uh, try and better understand uh, and ultimately grow uh, as a consequence. You mentioned biomarkers. For us that are not so medical orientated, could you just describe what a biomarker is? When we think about uh, providing you with information about what's happening inside your body, people describe the things that you measure in a variety of ways. A biomarker, uh, so far as we have understood its definition, describes a particular area of testing. So as an example, cholesterol uh, might be considered a biomarker. To other people, um, LDL cholesterol might be considered a biomarker. Uh, so yeah, it, it's not a particularly good definition. But what I really mean is the list of things that you might want to test or are testing, be that something like uh, HbA1c, which is a marker for prediabetes and diabetes, through to you know, your thyroid function, which looks at a combination of um, elements that might reveal whether your thyroid's functioning effectively or not. Closing off your Series A funding, just out of interest, where are you going to be investing that money? in the business capital raise is really to um, and this sounds flippant but uh, i certainly don't mean it to be do more of the same and what i mean by that is uh, invest heavily in increasing the quality of the product that we're able to offer people so as an example you know we now let people customize the test that they start with uh, it is a, a tracking product, so we want to enable people to track the things that are most important to them. And if we know, for example, that you're trying to look at fertility as your health priority, the way that we interpret your results 
actually ought to reflect the fact that we know your primary focus is around fertility. So we have created and are in the process of um, building into the product an internal platform called DocChain, uh, which enables us to provide contextually relevant results. And part of that information obviously is actually how might you effectively continue to tailor your testing, but also just being aware of um, what the priority was in the first place and the way that we tell you what matters uh, will help you understand what might matter. Um, so yeah, increasing the product uh, and then also helping people find it. So marketing in its various forms. The other things that we probably haven't done to date that we're obviously looking at are international, thinking about whether we're going to take a similar product to the one we have in the UK to other markets or whether uh, there's opportunity to take a slightly different operational model to other markets or actually whether we look domestically expanding into other areas that are relevant for the business, whether that's trying to find other areas of utility within the NHS that we can help with. Um, you know, we have a live pilot with the Royal Brompton Hospital helping uh, cystic fibrosis patients test at home using a, a B2B2C platform that we created called Thriver for Specialists. It might be that the clinical trials realm, which struggles with uh, trial participant retention, often because the testing burden is very heavy, um, might be an area that we could help with. Yeah, so we, we have some strategic thinking to, uh, to process as to where and what we do next. There's a proliferation of doctors via the mobile phone, um, push doctor, Babylon Health, etc. So there may be an opportunity for partnerships to complement their initial service uh, to explore. I'm just speculating here. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, we have spoken to all of the telemedicine providers in the UK. And I think it's probably fair to say that testing is core to our business and it's not core to theirs necessarily. And one of the product options that we have is essentially creating a virtual plug and play laboratory solution for third parties that want to do testing. You could almost think of it as a you know, Twilio for testing, but it's complicated to build and that comes at the altar of doing other things at you know, the, the kind of quality that we uh, hold ourselves accountable to. So yeah, no, for sure, absolutely. A, an accurate observation, I would say. And over the course of the years of working, building businesses, and then going into Thriver, raising funding, what lesson or lessons that you've learned that you could share with the listeners? I guess I'd have a couple. The first is I'm not a developer and I struggled for many years with the idea that uh, you had to be able to build something in order to start something. So how can you possibly validate something, go and raise money or attract uh, talent to join you without this thing? And I think that feeling is spurred on because you can't build it yourself. So it feels like this immutable object that you have to somehow get past. I would say in nearly every single instance where someone is considering an innovation, that's just not true. There are now tools, most of which are free, but more importantly, there are conversations that you can have. If I could have my time again in any business, really, I would start with the principles outlined in frameworks like jobs to be done, using some of the contexts, concepts and frameworks in This Is Marketing, Seth Godin's latest book, and just try to, um, try to understand 
a problem in significantly higher fidelity than I think most people actually do before they start putting spades in the ground. Uh, so that, that'd be thing one. I think thing two, partly is a consequence of having to think laterally about fundraising and the fundraising environments that dominate uh, most developed geographies. I, I guess I've developed a view of venture capital that, that I certainly didn't have before. And I think, put crudely, because most of the discourse in venture and innovation, those two things are often seen as the same thing, essentially created uh, and propagated by the people who run VCs and the businesses that um, succeed that come out of VCs. The view, I think, held by many, many startup founders, uh, incorrectly, I think, if you actually look at the data, um, is that you know you are necessarily sitting on a business that has to be able to scale or shouldn't be started, and that um, you should be trying to essentially build a billion dollar business from day one. If you look at the, the success rates of venture capital as an asset class, and I haven't looked at the data in detail, but I've talked to a couple of guys who certainly have, it just unfortunately as a model doesn't seem to really make much sense. And the one in 10 rocket ship success and the two in 20 commercial models that many of these funds um, subscribe to just, yeah, don't really make much sense to me. Now, at a very personal level, you know, I um, obviously get to talk to lots of other startup founders and my number one question for them when they're thinking about raising money and scaling is, you know, what, what actually do you, do you want here? Because if you are looking at learning and trying to uh, de-risk the chances of failure, actually, you know, signing yourself up to the roller coaster that is a venture capital rocket ship, it very much isn't the only option um, and very much is a pretty formulaic equation should you end up on that roller coaster. And there are some businesses that 100% should be galloping at trying to raise venture capital from all of the uh, household VC names that we know and love. You know, software, high margin, zero handbrake to adoption style businesses, I think tend to fare much, much better in, in that regard. So yeah, as I say, I'm not down on VC as an asset class. I just think my lesson is that uh, I would have hoped should I have my time again, uh, that I'd be able to think about funding and growth uh, through a slightly more informed perspective. You mentioned a book, Seth Godin, This Is Marketing. Are there any others that you are reading at the moment that you can share or any others that you'd recommend to other entrepreneurs on a similar path to yourself? I very highly recommend This Is Marketing. Very, very highly recommend This Is Marketing. You know, I read a lot of literature that's focused on trying to unpick why people do things. You know, whether that's uh, sapiens, thinking about you know, human beings evolving as animals, all the way through to contagious or hooked or um, you know, businesses around habit formation. And... I think Seth Godin has managed to distill a truth um, of human reality um, into an incredibly simple form. And 
it, it feels like a, you know, if you can do the hard yards in unpacking what that means for your business, there's a little bit of a secret in there for any business. So I, yeah, I really, really highly recommend it. And it just, it forces or reforces if you've drifted away from it, an unrelenting focus on whose problem are you looking to solve and how do you understand that person's worldview such that you might find a way to be useful to them. Yeah, so really, really highly recommend it. Um, and I'm also in the process of reading a book called How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. This is completely off topic. In some senses, only not off topic because it's to do with health and particularly mental health. And it's really uh, a bit of a deep dive into uh, psychedelics, the background on them as a class of molecules. Yeah, it's just very eye-opening. Uh, you know, you kind of slightly tongue-in-cheek read about the fact that Steve Jobs classed his LSD or acid trips as some of the most important things that he has done. And uh, it's, uh, I have to confess, you know, I've just never really engaged with that as a topic of conversation particularly. And uh, yes, it's really interesting. I think it's um, something that most people would probably find quite, quite fascinating. Mm. I prefer to read about it than experience it personally. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think this is it. And it's, um, I think most people probably fall into that category, but not necessarily for the right reasons, actually. And I think that's what surprised me. I think you know, I've long been at a similar viewpoint. And it's, yeah, from an education perspective, it's just, it sort of turns on its head a lot of the, um, the heuristics I think most people hold uh, to be true. So, you know, if you've got an inquiring mind, uh, yeah, I just think it's an interesting read. Hmm. Well, have a, have a look at it. So talking about the, the mind and psychedelics, I'm always interested in about the balance of building a business, the, the time and pressures you face as you grow and scale, you're taking on money from... Uh, the investors, and they have certain expectations of you. How do you go about getting their headspace away from the madding crowd, as it were? Well, yeah, well put. <laughs> I think that is um, that's an apposite description, Ben. Uh, I'm very lucky. You know, I've got, a, um, I've got an amazing wife and uh, I've got two young kids, one who's three and a half, Kit, and Hector, who's about 11 weeks old. And, you know, it, it, I'm not going to pretend that this is a, um, uh, a sort of a break in energy terms because they are kind of always on as a, as a thing, but they are amazing in their ability to just suck you into their world. And yeah, you know, it takes a little bit of time to sort of be present and forget that there's this other kind of vortex being nearby that is your startup. But yeah, time with them is more often than it isn't just a, a fantastic pressure valve, um, you know, with them and my wife. It, yeah, family life for me is, is a really important part. Equally, I am a fairly big believer, and I have to confess, I've completely retrospectively fitted what I'm about to say to, <laughs> to my life. Um, I'm a big believer in, I think it was Tony Robbins or Tim Ferriss or someone who said, stay in your head, you're dead. And actually just doing physical things with your body to try and get away from a, uh, what might have become a uh, slightly frustrated mind state. Um, so 
you know, things like riding my motorbike, riding my bicycle, kite surfing, skiing, just things that give you a bit of an adrenaline boost. You know, I, I kind of think about exercise, whether it's a few push-ups and sit-ups here and there, um, or a cold shower in the morning. You know, that kind of stuff is, is really just about my head. I mean, yes, okay, fine, it's nice to feel a bit stronger, but it, it forces your brain to do something that it wouldn't unless you did those things. Yeah, so I'd say amongst all of that, just about managed to stay on an even keel. <laughs> good. It's good to hear. We've covered off a lot of ground. It's, it's amazing how quickly time flies when, when talking about a business that you're passionate about, the, the idea, the innovation. There's a question I, I would like to ask every entrepreneur. What would you do differently knowing what you know now? So let me get, I go slightly back to front on this, um, this answer. And by the way, I genuinely think Thriver is a, a business that has the ability, as in just part of its DNA, pun not intended, to become a genuinely uh, game-changing global brand. I, I think it, ha- it does have that about it. That notwithstanding, going back to, you know, I guess what I've learned about funding and venture, I increasingly subscribe to the view that actually the businesses that win in the sort of big headlines in the media kind of win are businesses that foundationally are alive. The businesses that win big, Facebooks, Googles, big tech companies that we know and love, happen to catch a rising tide. And, you know, Facebook wasn't the only business of its kind providing uh, social communication for campuses in the States when Facebook took off like a rocket. You know, there was a moment in time that propelled, it happened to be Facebook, but it was going to be a business into the stratosphere. Now, if they had been sitting at the wrong point in time by five years, maybe it would have been a different story should they have died. But the businesses that win are, as I say, foundationally businesses that are alive to, to, if you like, surf the tides, whether they rise or fall. And therefore, I would invite myself to think about how to structure growth of all kinds through that lens and to find backers that see that while we are looking to build a dominant global brand, the, the method of growth, perhaps in particular because it's health, uh, should be thought about in a different way to you know, a B2B SaaS product, as an example. Uh, so yeah, I just, I'd like to think of myself as teaching a lesson that would just help me think more clearly, I guess. Is there anything that you would like to to share with the audience? Any sort of leaving comment? Yeah, I guess the the big one for me is I'd love, I I always uh, am fascinated by people's personal um, thoughts or relationships with health. You know, health in theory impacts everybody. I think, yeah, I'm just always fascinated to know how people think about their health. You know, what is their priority? How, How would they see a better version of themselves if indeed they do you know what are their questions what are their concerns so i'm open to a 
uh, a dialogue with anyone who's prepared to share their thoughts. And of course, if anyone would ever like to uh, give Thriver a go, I'm sure I can provide you with a, a code to add in, Ben. Um, and yeah, by all means, have a go. Let us know what you think. And so they can find you at? They can find me personally at hamish at thriver.co. And Thriver, the website is just thriver.co. That's T-H-R-I-V-A, thriver.co. Fantastic. So what do you think? We'll have another interesting story to dive into next week. Looking forward to it already. Some questions to you in the meantime. What is your story? What is your reality right now? And what are you working towards? Let me know. So you can connect with me on Twitter. Just type in Bash in the search and you'll find me. So Bash, B-A-S-H. Easy. On Instagram, it's Bash Reality. So that's Bash underscore reality. And on LinkedIn, Benjamin Ashmore. Make sure you subscribe. And until next week, cheers. Cheers.